Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, where each episode we bring you a brand new interview with one of the film industry's top directors, conducted by one of their peers. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher, or on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash the director's cut. Today, we will explore the tangled story web in director Tom Ford's new film, Nocturnal Animals. Amy Adams stars as Susan, a Los Angeles art dealer whose seemingly idyllic life is disturbed by the arrival of a manuscript written and dedicated to her by her ex-husband, played by Jake Gyllenhaal. As Susan reads and is drawn deeper into the story, its themes force her to examine her past and confront disturbing truths about her present. Known for his career as a top fashion designer, Nocturnal Animals is Mr. Ford's second feature film after his 2009 directorial debut, A Single Man. Nocturnal Animals won the Grand Jury Prize at the 2016 Venice International Film Festival. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theatre in Los Angeles, Mr. Ford discussed the film with fellow director Lee Daniels. During the conversation, Mr. Ford talks about his directorial influences, including Alfred Hitchcock, Stanley Kubrick, and Peter Bogdanovich's The Last Picture Show, how exploring the theme of loyalty drew him to nocturnal animals, and how certain elements of the film were taken directly from Mr. Ford's childhood in Texas. Thank you. How about that, huh? Okay, Mr. Ford. Yes, sir, Mr. Dan. I started with the cue cards, and then I woke up in the middle of the night, and I started talking to the iPhone. So we'll go from... Oh, my God, really? <laughs> we'll go from the cue cards to, uh, to the iPhone. Just okay. Still alive. <clears throat> um... <clears throat> That's where oh, we start. Thank you. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, there's so many questions for a half an hour. I know we have a half an hour, but there's so many questions I have to 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 to, to talk about. I mean, you're bold. You are um, an artist, a tour de force. I mean, you the film. Um, you you put the C in cinema. With this, I just it, it, it's uh, mind-boggling. I want to know. Um, I see. I, I see. Um, moments of Fellini, I see moments of um, El Moldovar. I, I want to know who you inspire. So many people in fashion, in in uh, and now in cinema. I want to. I'm going to start first by asking who your inspirations are as a filmmaker. Lee Daniels. Uh, you just <laughs> Isn't that the right answer? No, no um, really. Seriously, uh, if it is. Um, you know, I think everyone in this room. You love film, you watch film, we grow up with film. Uh, when people ask you a question like that, it's always hard because you could say, well, you know, from the 30s, from the 40s, from the 50s, from which genre, blah, blah, blah. Uh, for this particular film, of course, Hitchcock, um, Kubrick, uh, Polanski, um, you know, all those great noir directors or directors who made wonderful, incredible noir films. Uh, the Last Picture Show, just for sort of mood, for atmosphere, the texture of the inside of the pool hall, which I used as inspiration for the texture of inside the trailer where the 
the crime takes place. Uh, I mean, so many. I think, you know, when you love when you love things, you, you absorb them, and then hopefully, w when they come out, they have your stamp and imprint because they're not meant to be literal uh, inspirations or interpretations of things. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I've built, it's, it's funny, fashion designers, uh, and I have kind of divorced myself from that world a bit while I'm promoting this film, but I had someone ask me the other day, he said, you know, I interviewed a fashion designer and he knew so much about film, and, and I thought, well, of course, because we often, you know, I've built collections on the bitter tears of Pet <laughs> Petra von Kant, you know, we, 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 we pull images and, and ideas and thoughts and, and research, and so lots of film uh, directors have inspired me. Um, those shocking, beautiful big ladies that open the film credits, they're so different from the rest of the film. What they're really a microcosm of the, one of the themes, but uh, go ahead and ask what did <laughs> What did that image come from? Well, what did the images come from? And, 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 and for you, uh, why, why, just, I'm, I love it, what does by it mean? the way. Yeah, what, what, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think a few uh, reviewers have written that it's David Lynchian, which, which is an enormously flattering thing, but that wasn't actually my inspiration. It was a photographer called Carlo Molino, who was also a furniture designer and architect who took pictures of, of, of women uh, semi-clad in front of red velvet drapes. But the point of that is that these women have let go of absolutely everything that contemporary culture says they should be, and yet they are so free and so incredibly comfortable. I fell in love when I was casting these women. I fell in love when I was shooting them. I fell in love when I was editing them. And then we cut from, from these women who are so powerful and strong and, as I said, free to the character of Susan, who is trying so hard to be everything our culture says that she should be. And she's dead inside. And this is a work that she's chosen for her gallery most likely, I like to think, subconsciously because of that. Uh, so that was the, the purpose of that. And, and from, a, uh, from a cinematic standpoint, it gets your attention and pulls you in and you think, what the hell is this? And you watch closely, I hope, to everything that comes after. I did. I Good. was mesmerized. How about y'all? I couldn't. Have we seen an opening like that? That just like, whoa, you know? Um. I love your visuals, from the cold symmetry of the LA art world uh, interiors to the terrifying handheld of the Texas scenes. I also love how you do things with people um, when people say you shouldn't. Like you put Amy in a white dress up against that white wall. Um, you know, how badly I want to do that, but you know my production designer always poo-poo's it. Did do, 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 did did you she in a white dress against a white wall? Yes. Where? I don't. You don't remember? <laughs> no. She's in a white dress up against a white wall. It's fierce. It's pretty fierce. Okay. Um, as I recall, she's in front of a red wall. She's um, in front of a wet wall too. But yeah. she's as I recall. Anyway, what's but your question? I guess I could, the question is: Does you do you storyboard with your DP meticulously? No. Or do you? Or do you? When do I write, I really am visualizing. You know, I, I like the idea of. Uh, I think it was Alfred Hitchcock, perhaps, who said this. I don't know. I believe. Um, make a silent film, and then when you need language, 
put it in. So as I'm writing, I'm sorry, I close my eyes when I'm visualizing things. I'm visualizing shot by shot. I actually write it in a shot by shot way, which probably breaks screenwriting rules because it's it's really, you know, the camera moves are actually written into the to the uh, the screenplay. So I have visualized it all in my head. However, when working with Seamus McGarvey on this film, by the way, who I think is such a wonderful DP and such a wonderful man. Um, and I think did a beautiful job. Uh, no, what we really had was a shot list. We didn't storyboard. We'd sit and go over each scene and talk about how we were going to shoot it, what we were going to do, and work out the shot list, and then, of course, review it the day of on, uh, at our location, et cetera, and, and sometimes alter it dramatically. Not dramatically, but alter it. Uh, the only thing we storyboarded was the, the car chase, which I did a previous for because, of course, it was complex to figure out where we were going to put the cameras and what sort of equipment we needed. Was that too dry for no, you? No, it was. It was, <laughs> was that to, too dry? No, I needed to hear that. Um, Amy Adams and Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes, are I think award worthy. I think. And by I, the way, if your production designer tells you you can't do something, then you I, still I need don't to pay just no attention do to it. them anyway. You know, so if pay, you're going to put somebody in some, a white dress, okay, why not? You're talking about in the white room where she's yeah. just a, a floating head. Yeah. Well, that's it's, it's a it's a white blouse, but that's. Okay. But sometimes you um, like, don't you get don't, don't no you 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 I, you I have go the against my gut sometimes. You know what I mean? Don't no, you? I wanted it to have that sort of Kubrickian, by the way. Yes, um, tray. You know, sort of very spaceshipy, yeah. absolutely sterile. I mean, the world that this woman inhabits, you know, is is quite sterile. It's not happy, sunny LA, as you saw. It's very hard and 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 sharp and and uh, so I wanted the the cold clinical feeling uh, of that. So if, if you have somebody's telling you not to do that, you should do but it. But I, I normally tell them to go to hell. But it doesn't. But, well, but you can say it nicely. <laughs> but you did it, you know. And I was so proud of you that you did it. Um, Amy Adams and Jake are both award worthy, and um, I've never seen anything Amy so riveting. I haven't seen Amy so riveting. Really? And still, even when she's becoming completely undone. How did you do oh, it? That's, the, I, I think, you know, first of all, casting Amy was very important. I w was not thinking cast while I was writing this. And when I finished it, I realized this is actually very hard to cast because I needed actors who could span, believably, their 20s to their early 40s. Yeah, um, I got to interrupt you. Yeah. Tell me what happened. Because I felt that she genuinely looked younger. Well, she does. What'd you do? Modern technology. Sweetie, what'd you do? Modern technology. Yeah. Wow. And it okay. was, we went over it and over it and over it to wow. get it to seem very... Well, first of all, she's very youthful looking and very beautiful, but Jake too, by the way. Um, but anyway, uh, I needed an actor, actors and actresses who could be believably those two ages. And Amy has a youthful quality, and, and so does Jake, obviously. But the main reason I cast Amy Adams was her eyes. I wanted this character of Susan to be sympathetic. It would be very easy to not like this woman. She has all these things. She has this beautiful material world. Uh, you know, she did this terrible thing we find out to this guy and she's unhappy, poor thing, who cares? And we wouldn't have had a movie. So we have to care about her. And Amy's eyes for me are so soulful as a, as a human being and as an actress. I look into her eyes and I see such depth and so much thought. And she maybe more than any other actress I can think of at the moment, uh, can telegraph with her face. And I needed that because, of course, she's reading for half uh, of, the, of the story. And that, that last scene to me where she's destroyed, I mean, what she says on her face in that scene, which we shot in one night, the range of hope, um, you know, uh, 
the subtle little things she does with her face, which by the way, when she was young, when she was playing the younger version of herself, she also did some very subtle little things. It's so easy if you say to an actress, oh, be an ingenue, they switch in sometimes to something that's, that's a little you know, false. And she did the tiniest little things that made her character seem hopeful and naive and, and uh, uh, different. I, I thought she was great. Yeah, but Amy, yeah, but. She, she's really like, like, I think this is some of her best work. Congratulations Thank to you. you. And Laura Linney, let's talk about Miss Laura Linney, honey. I mean, come on. She was incredible. She came in and did that in a day. Uh, a day? A day, not uh -huh. even a day, an evening, a few let hours. Me, let me just ask you, okay. those fabulous, huge Republican pearls, <laughs> which, came, because which came first, the character the, with, with the pearls or the Pat, Vic, Pat uh, Nixon voice? Wh which, which came well, first? Well, the voice was Lady Bird Johnson, and she actually studied tapes of Lady Bird Johnson, who had a very particular uh, Texas accent. Um, because it wasn't actually all Texas. She'd been raised in, in another part of the South before, and she, she studied that voice. Uh, but the whole the character hair, came... The well, hair. the hair, um, I'm afraid, comes from members of my family. I'm, I'm from Texas. I'm from Austin, and I grew up in Texas, and I literally remember my grandmother saying to my sister, if you do not date poor boys, you won't fall in love with a poor boy, and you won't marry a poor boy. And she felt that that was actually... A, you know, a legitimate uh, thing to say to a little eight-year-old girl. Um, so I'm afraid that uh, that character is a, a creation of, of a few different women I've known in my life. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyway, Laura, uh, she's, she, she was incredible. She said, well, clearly I live in, in Highland Park, which is a suburb, which is part of Dallas. And so she, she went online, she pulled out four houses, and she said, which house do I live in and why? Uh, I wrote her back, why, blah, 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 which gave lots of character clues. And we worked together like that. So she arrived incredibly prepared. And she just was watching the two of them that night. It was so exciting. Yeah. I, you should be very proud. I mean, it, it, it blew my okay. mind, man. It's a, um, and the breakout performance of Aaron Taylor Johnson. Oh, Aaron Taylor Honey, Johnson. On the toilet. Can I just, I, I don't know what to make of it. You want me to tell I, you how I, I found that or what, well, I, where that came from? I just, he's on a toilet. He's on a toilet. He's on a toilet. And he's hotter than hell. And, and his acting is, is simply superlative. And it, it, and it, I, it was, his I, acting all these, is great. It's, it's all these mixed feelings I have. About, so w um, tell me about that. Uh, Aaron is a, is a personal friend. His wife and I have been friends for years. And... Um, we were having dinner one night, and he was telling a story, and some little thing he did just, I just clicked, and I thought, oh my God, you would be so perfect as this character. And he spent three months studying serial killers. Uh, no, he really did. He watched documentaries. He, he, be he became this character so different than who he is in real life. He has you know, four daughters. He's a completely, he's English, by the way. That accent is completely, wow. uh, um, you, you know, he, 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 was, he was amazing. 
Um, uh, anyway, what, what were we, you had asked I just, me? the discovery, oh, I, the, wasn't the toilet. on my radar. You know, when I'm writing, I uh, pull visual images for each character. And I have the character in my head, I just do photo research, photo research. Where do they live? What do they drive? What does their you know, house look like? What do they eat? Who are their friends? Da, 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 da. I make binders, and then when I'm writing, uh, I write those things in so that there's some, some texture. And I had Googled, Oh, and I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but it's true. White trash Texas Hicks. And up popped all these images. I'm going through them, going through them, going through them. And I find this one of this guy sitting on a toilet exactly like that in front of a mobile home with a beer and a phone. And I thought, this is too good. I have to write this into this somewhere. Who And, and it was perfect for his character. So that's how I actually had the idea to make him a plumber so I could justify the toilet sitting outside the thing so I could give Michael the line that explained why, blah, blah, blah. More than you bargained for in that, in that yeah. comment, but question. Um, I love Michael Shannon. And um, did, did you write this role for him? I did not write it for him, but he was perfect for it. And he inhabited it again. He was so in character. I don't know how many of you have worked with Michael. He, um, everyone was afraid to go near him on set. And he smoked more cigarettes between takes than he smoked on camera. And he just was so in this character. And, um, uh, you know, he was clearly meant to be that sort of iconic, you know, Western uh, Aging Marlboro man. And, uh, I have to say, you know, in my previous life, I was a manager, and I got Michael his first job in the Woodsman, and and watched him. And let me tell you something: I have seen him, and he, I didn't, and we've seen him play that typical, that stereotypical sort of bad guy and sort of complicated, fucked up. He just transformed into a place. Tom, you got him to a place that I have yet to see him. So kudos to you for that. Thank you. I want to see him do a romantic lead, um, which I kept saying to him because he has one of those great old-fashioned movie star faces. Uh, you know, a little Clark Gable, a little Humphrey Bogart, not necessarily beautiful, but just amazing to look at that it is quite beautiful. I'd love to see him be romantic, but next movie, maybe. Um, I, why? Why this movie? Loyalty is something that's so important to me. I've been with the same person for the last 30 years. I do not let people out of my life when I find wonderful people. And that's really what this is about. It's a cautionary tale. Well, there are lots of reasons. There's, but principally, it's, it, our culture is so throwaway, which is why I set this against the background of this disposable culture. We throw things away all the time, and we often throw people away. And this woman, unfortunately, makes a decision at a certain point in her life, out of insecurity, by the way. Um, she's a victim of her own insecurity, and as I said, of her upbringing and her background. But the, the idea of, of holding on to people, and then also, as a, as a director and writing the screenplay, the idea that this device of a novel, uh, a piece of art in a way, being used to communicate how someone made you feel uh, in, a, in a fictional way, I thought was, uh, was, was great. So I was very drawn to that. Um, your film is a, st uh, uh, bear with me because I'm, um, this is uh, something I wrote at two in the morning, so I'm gonna read it. Your film is a story about art versus literature. Truth versus fiction, art versus the artists. There's also an element there 
that's all about what makes a weak man. Jake's character in Texas is too weak to protect his family, so he has to seek revenge. Jake's character in the real life is deemed too weak for Amy Adams to marry. Is this film an integration of what it means to be a strong man in today's world? Um, it was certainly an exploration of that. Uh, again, as a kid growing up in Texas, I wasn't great with a football. I certainly wasn't great with a gun. Um, I was the sensitive kid. It was, and, and it's not only autobiographical. That's not why I wrote that. But, but the, the point is that he perseveres. You know, he does have, as Amy says to her mother, you know, he has the strength to believe in himself, and he has the strength to believe in me. So he does have the ultimate strength, which is that perseverance, both in the inner story and in the outer real world, he's been able to take the pain that she caused and use that to, to create this book that, that he's never been able to really write. Uh, and so that was what that was about. But yes, of course, about uh, masculinity in a certain way. Um, what part of this story is most autobiographical to you? Meaning, is Tom Ford more of the Amy Adams or more of the Jake? I mean, for me, when I'm doing something- You're gonna tell me? No, for me. No, I'm saying for me, you know, when I'm in it, I, I, uh, there's a little bit of me in all of it. Of course. So I guess the question for you is really, what did you identify most with and, and when you were pouring your soul into these people? Because they're you. Well, sure. When you do, as he says, no one ever really writes about anyone but themselves, uh, which I don't think necessarily is literal, but with any kind of artist, you know, we are, are, everything is seen through our lens. So I think most people create to try to connect. And, and so you are writing about something or telling a story, or if you're a painter, painting about something that uh, is about you in a sense. So yeah, when you write characters, you write bits and pieces of yourself into all of them. Uh, I relate to Amy's character in a, in a big way. I have been fortunate enough in life to have uh, had all of those advantages that her character has, and I've been lost at certain points in my life in materialism and, and have, have neglected maybe the spiritual side, personal side of my life. Uh, I went through maybe what she's going through many years ago and have come out the other side, but... Uh, uh, that's that's what she's struggling with, and, and that's a struggle I can absolutely relate to. And as the Jake character, I just said, you know, the, the parts of his character that, that I can relate to. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm still sort of reeling from it. You know, I want to watch it again. I have to watch it again because I think that everything that you have done, every frame that you have done, is, is, is like a diva. You know, it's, it's rich with... Uh, yeah, you... Um, I'm feeling for the characters, and yet I'm intoxicated by the beauty of it all. And speaking of, I wanted to know how are you? So how does that how does that all work with your big Tom Ford sort of thing? I mean, are you able to? Um, are you able to? Are you able? Is that hard to separate to pull away from? You know, you're at the top of your game right now in fashion. Does that? Does that? How does that? How are you able? I remember when we were doing um, um, the Butler with Oprah. And she and I and I said, "How are you able to pull away from own?" She was able to pull, literally because if you become, and this is even worse because you got you know you're you're directing it all. How are you able to genuinely pull away from something that you're so passionate about and so involved with? Day I to day? think you're better at whatever you're doing when you're excited. And filmmaking for me is the most fun I've ever had in my whole life. 
And uh, I love fashion. I've been doing it for 30 years, and I still love it. it it's quick. It moves fast. Um, it satisfies a, a part of my personality. Uh, you know, it takes, as you know, three years to make a film if you're, if you're writing and directing it. And, and fashion moves, moves quickly. Uh, I set up my editing rooms in uh, London, and so I would edit for four or five hours. I'd go out quickly for a fitting. I'd go back and edit, and I'd go back to a fitting. And that collection that I produced of clothes at that point is one of my favorites because I was so happy. I was so excited. Um, I'm fortunate I own my own company, so I'm able to, you know, it, I, I'm highly scheduled. And I planned this a year and a half in advance and literally took care of everything so that not one fashion question or decision uh, had, I had to confront at all during pre-production and shooting. Uh, editing was a little bit different, but it's, it's a, for me, it's about organization and scheduling. Clearly, you're the same person, so of course my eye is being used in different ways, uh, but I separate them. Uh, there wasn't one Tom Ford product in this. You probably saw a huge list of every other designer in the world, but purposefully, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm overly uh, conscious of it because uh, it's, you know, it's not a commercial for Tom Ford products. It's, a, it's meant to be, for me, it's the purest expression, purest artistic expression that, that I have. Fashion for me has always been a, a commercial endeavor. I'm a, it's an artistic endeavor, but I am a commercial fashion designer. And, you know, film lasts forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and it satisfies something so deep inside of me. What was the hardest part of this process for you when you think about it in hindsight, you know, when you think of the, the journey from conception to, to um, the final mix, what was the hardest part for you to sort of, that you, you know, your heart, like, oh my God, am I going to get through this part? Um, well, the hardest part really came early, and that was adapting uh, the book, which is a wonderful book. It's called Tony and Susan. Um, but it, it is not structured in a way to, to necessarily make a film. And I had a few false starts with it for the first couple of years that I had the option, and then I figured it out. And that once that was a great moment when I thought, okay, this is what I'll do with it. This is how I'll, I'll adapt this. That was That was the hardest part. I mean, of course, every day is hard when you're working on something, you know that. But it's fun, you know, problem solving. It's, it's great, it's a wonderful feeling at the end of the day, even if it's been a bad day, because then you want to go back the next day and fix it. Uh, so that's, it's, it's fun. Mm -hmm. And what was the easiest part? What was the, what was the best part? What was the, when you, two, well, two things. First, um, was it hard for you to let your costumer do her thing? Or his thing? No, her <laughs> thing, Ariane Phillips. Uh, to die for. Uh, she's wonderful. Uh, she worked with me on A Single Man. I've known Ariane for about 25 years because she used to costume Madonna's tours. I used to dress Madonna. That's how we met. And um, so when I made my first film, I called her and I said, I, I need you to work with me. And she's a terrific costume designer. And, and absolutely not uh, because, you know, I had enough to do. She's, that's her department. And obviously, like any director, of course, we're very involved and you know it, it tells so much about character mm. uh, you know but but Ariane absolutely did the costumes it's not hard for me to let go of that at all and and, and what was the e what was the funnest part oh every bit of it but when you see people react to it and they enjoy it love it get it that's always the most fun mm. when they get it
when they get it. When they don't get it, it's honey. Still, who cares if they don't get it? Oh, it you know, I don't a lot care of people they say they do. You don't care, care if they don't get it? Oh, sometimes yeah, sure. You can't help but well, not they, feel that they don't. They don't. If they don't get it, if they don't get it, um, well, then you feel like, oh God, did I fail? Because no, you, clearly I didn't communicate. I'm not saying so. that, but no, I'm saying when people don't don't get it, doesn't right. it? Those that matter get it, Tom. You know, to me, Ooh. those that matter get it. I I, I feel. Um, Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you. Um, is this now that you know this is your sophomore film? Oh, I hate that word. Don't use that. Say I'm second. Sorry. Second. Second. Sophomore. Second. Oh, second. I hate that this word. Is what they say to me sometimes. Sophomore. Sophomoric. Does anybody want to be sophomoric? <laughs> I don't want to. Do be you sophomoric. see more films in your in your in oh, your? I certainly hope so. I mean, I had intended to make a film every three years. I don't seven years. I don't know how it even happened. Life went by, opened a hundred stores. I have, a, I have a child I did not have. I had a child four years ago. Um, and uh, he, you know, I wanted to really spend a lot of time, will spend a lot of time with him in the future, obviously. But uh, I don't know where it went. But yeah, let's pray every three years, I hope. I was so excited to see the film that when I, um, and I remember walking away from the theater um, A little sad because um, I thought to myself, "Wow, I've been so wrapped up in TV that this man is able to do it and and really be so unabashedly just like you didn't care. It was almost like you know I'm doing this movie and you can come aboard if you want to come aboard and if you don't, bye, Felicia. <laughs> and 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 that's what I think. I think that. Uh, most artists will appreciate uh, uh, about the film. It really is extraordinary, uh, Tom. You've achieved something that's very, very major, and you should be very proud of yourself. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I'm really proud of you. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. I just have one question. One final question. One final question. How do you want us to feel at the end of the movie? How do you want us to feel? I, I was a little. I, I have a question because I was like, okay. Is this a letter of suicide? Is a book of suicide? And if so, if so, um, why, why would he have a meter? I'm, I was a little. I have a question about that. And then I, and I guess the question, and the bigger question is really, how do you want me to feel? I know how I felt. You know, when I walked away from the film, I was shattered. I was in. I was. I had goosebumps all over. That's but, good. <laughs> but how do you want us to feel when you walk away from the film? And then answer that question about well, the... the end of the film is, you know, as we've all heard, you know, happy ending is just where you stop the, the story. Uh, this woman's just gone through a transformation. It's been painful. The end of the film is painful. But those rings are off her finger. The lipstick's off her mouth. She is not going back to that life. It's over the part of her life, this long part of her life, in which she has been incredibly unhappy, and that transformation is very painful. Um, he doesn't show up. You know, you could interpret it how you want to interpret it. What I intended uh, is that he doesn't show up because it is his ultimate final, you know, I'm over you. You, 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 know, you killed everything. You, you, you stole our family, my life, everything from me. And I've taken this pain, and I've done what I always said I could do, and I've made you fall in love with me all over again. Yes. <laughs> I'm over it. <laughs> but we shouldn't hate her. We shouldn't hate her. No. 
No, I don't hate her. No, Dude. I don't hate her. No, I don't hate her. I hate him though. That guy. He's a he's a piece of work. Which one? Do you know the husband? Army. I don't like him. He he really hurt he's my a lovely feelings. Guy. Yeah. He hurt my feelings. I wanted to see the daughter. I was fascinated about the daughter, but I think that you kept her just in a box where you had my curiosity. Uh, like, I saw just enough to her to well, imagine. You saw quite a lot of her. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to imagine what, 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 what that world was like. Everybody, I'm so excited y'all were able to see my friend's uh, film. This is a work that will go down, I think, in, um, in the books as one of uh, our greatest. Thank you, Tom Ford, for having me. Thank you me. very much. I Thank really you. Appreciate it. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to this DGA Q&A. Check out past episodes of the podcast by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts or on our website at dga.org/podcast. We'll have a lot more episodes coming your way over the next several weeks, so stay tuned. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to The Director's Cut on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or our SoundCloud page so you won't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.